Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome to episode six of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts. Before I talk about the episode, you should definitely be checking out the World Junior Summer Showcase coming up. It takes place in Kamloops, and there will be televised games on August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th on TSN. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have three prospects that are going to be attending. Uh, Christian Veselainen, unfortunately, is no longer one of them. But there's three other ones. Dylan Sandberg playing with the USA. Uh, Santeri Vertanen playing with Finland. And David Gustafsson playing with Sweden. So uh, we'll probably talk about it on the next episode. So you should definitely be checking those uh, games out and see the future of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, last episode, episode five, we interviewed Ace Burpee, which was a lot of fun. I think we'll have him on again in the future, as well as some other uh, notable guests. Um, this episode, though, slightly less notable guests, although people that I really enjoy. Uh, we start off with Brian interviewing Jake Baskin. Jake is a college hockey expert, world junior expert, prospect expert. He talks a little bit about his background in the, uh, the interview. Um, Brian and I discovered him a couple years ago and really enjoy him. He's taught me a lot about the college game, that's for sure, and turned me on to some of those things. So this was a fun listen to for sure. Then we got Daniel interviewing Brian Finlayson, different Brian, not uh, our uh, Brian from Ohio. Uh, Brian Finlayson, Finlayson, fin- yeah, whatever his name is, you know. Uh, he's done some writing with Jets Nation. He does some stuff with Hangar Hockey, which is another uh, secondary Jets media, as well as uh, he's done some stuff with Jet Center, uh, which is our affiliated website. So uh, check that interview out. I think they had a lot of fun kind of talking about some current stuff with the Jets. And then we ended off with me chatting with Cassie. Cassie from Jets Nation. We've been trying to set this interview for a while. Um, But we finally got it done. Had some technical difficulties. So um, the flow kind of got bumped a little bit there. And missed a couple of the questions that uh, I actually had for her in the end. But uh, no matter. We we had some fun. We'll have her on on again during the season. So hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, that's it. Enough talking. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Hi everybody, this is Brian Yager of Jetcentric dot or the Jetcentric podcast, jetcenter.ca. I'm recording live from my bedroom on the sunny shores of Warren, Ohio. And I'm here live with uh, Jake Baskin. Jake, want to introduce yourself a little bit, give us a little background on you? Yeah, um, over the past few years I've become what is possibly known as the USA Hockey Guy on Twitter. Um, I'm really big into American prospects and college hockey in the USHL and the USNTDP and following those players as they go along, probably until the point they turn pro and then I lose interest in them. But I've written for some SB Nation sites, uh, for some other sites, and the Jets are one of those teams that, do love their Americans, so um, no shortage of things for us to talk about here. Uh, first off, what got you interested in the the prospect side as opposed to seeing Americans in the NHL? Well, you know, I've been a fan of the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers my entire life, and for like pretty much every player the Gophers have had in my lifetime, with a few exceptions is American and most of those are from Minnesota. And, you know, when I was looking at USA hockey and seeing how many Minnesota players go to the world juniors and U18s and other tournaments like that, I decided to, you know what, maybe I should follow some of these players that are going along just 
maybe it gets me more points as, as they reach in the, reach the NHL and I can say I knew them first. You know, that's what you think when you're a high schooler interested in writing about sports. Uh, just to get into the Jets, the Jets currently have six players either in the NCAA or committed to NCAA schools. I just wanted to go through each of them and get your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, first, I'm going to go in like reverse order. So first would be Austin Wong, drafted out of Har- or committed to Harvard. He was in the seventh round of this just past draft. Yeah, I'll admit um, I have not watched Wong because he has played – his entire uh, youth career in Canada and spent the last two years with the Okotoks Oilers. And, you know, I'm so I'm just really stat watching here. He's not even due to Harvard until fall of 2019. And he's got some good point numbers, but those penalty minute totals, that's, that's really something I can see how he got drafted. Yeah. That he looks to be, I described him in an article that was just published minutes ago on Jet Center as an agent of chaos. He's yeah. 54, 54 points in 55 games as well as 235 penalty minutes and then 26 more in 15 playoff games. Like, yeah. that's that's your 1980s style hockey player right there. No matter where he goes, he's going to wind up being a crowd favorite. Oh, for sure. Uh, next up is a name that I'm sure you know by now. Uh, Jared Moe committed to Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Uh, Moe is a goaltender, a, a uh, backwards goaltender. He catches with his right hand. He played, he finished out uh, with Holy Family High School in the Twin Cities. So I got to see him there. Good numbers. Ended up with Waterloo of the USHL in his first post graduation year and posted a 919 save percentage while kind of in a 1B role for Waterloo. Next year, he's staying in Waterloo uh, for another year. Probably going to get more minutes. Might get some time at the Junior A Challenge with Team USA. And uh, he'll be in Minnesota in 2019. Probably the starter no later than 2020-21. I'm really high on him. I think he's going to be a a good goalie, at least at the college level. Okay, I didn't know – thought he was headed to Minnesota now. That's No, they they have two scholarship goalies already there. One's a senior, so. Okay, that's good news for me. So I'll be able to definitely keep an eye on him this year in Waterloo. Yeah. Um, next up is Nathan Smith, a pick that really confused me when it first was made. Um, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Keep going. But seeing – I mean, I, I trust the Jets' U.S. scouts more than any other scouts in the organization. Is there anything that you see in him that – I might not have just by casually looking over. I like uh, I like what I've seen out of Smith. I've only been watching him for one year because before that he was playing high school hockey in Florida, which has like no recognition among anyone in the public. He ended up surprising everybody when making USHL Cedar Rapids at a training camp, 47 points in 51 games and – he is off to Minnesota State Mankato. Let me check if it's this year or next year. Uh, I believe it's next year. I thought I read. Um, okay, I'm looking at the roster. And, yeah, he's going to spend another year in the USHL first. Okay. Which... But, he, you know, I mean, I have one year to base him off of. And 
if he made that big of a jump from the Florida high school ranks. No, no disrespect to those. He had 44 points in 13 games there in his senior year, but still, that that's not where you expect to see players playing their uh, first draft season. Um, moving on now to last year's draft, a draft that I've raved about for the Jets. Uh, Croy Evingson. Yeah, well, UMass Lowell had a down year last year, but you know, if a guy's playing for Norm Bazin, I trust that uh, Bazin's going to turn him into a good player because he doesn't recruit typically the high-end prospects, but you've seen what uh, they've turned out. Like in, in Winnipeg, you have Connor Hellebuck coming out of UMass Lowell in those days. And, you know, guys like Michael Kaplis, C.J. Smith, Tyler Mueller all got NHL contracts despite being pretty far from the draft radar. Evingson was a seventh-round pick coming out of the NHL. He plays defense, and he's a big guy, so he's probably not going to put up gaudy offensive numbers. But um, if UMass Lowell can turn it around this year, and I trust they can, uh, look for Evingson to be a big part of their team. And Evingson actually had some really good offensive numbers yeah, in the in, NHL. In, in Shreveport, right. Yeah, that, that, yes. was an ex, that was an expansion team, and uh, so he took advantage of the big role we got there. Um, next up is uh, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, an overager. The Jets have been drafting a lot of overagers from the U.S. as of late. Yeah, um, Kovacevic is from is from Canada. He plays at Merrimack. He just finished his sophomore year, I believe, so he'll be a junior. He's a defenseman, a big guy as well, uh, right-handed shooter. You know, he, he's got some offense in his game, but he's a pretty good two-way player. I want to see how Scott Bork, the new coach at Merrimack, uses him because they just made a coaching change. Mark Dennehy got fired in a controversial decision. But uh, this is going to be a big year for him. It's probably going to prove whether he can be a solid pro or if he's going to be a career AHLer. So we will see. I there was talk of him possibly being able to translate to the AHL after last season. Did you see that at all? Or I mean, he did fine. You know, Merrimack. I don't really know how to judge uh, his play there yet. But he, you know, he had two solid seasons, and if he improves this year, I think he'll probably sign. If because if he improves this year, I'm not sure how much left he has to learn from the college level. And last but not least, a prospect that I'm very high on, a big fan, uh, Dylan Sandberg out of the national champions, uh, Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, I have seen plenty of Sandberg and. UMD won the championship last year, and they had a lot of young guys. And from uh, the Blues pick, Scott Perunovich, who was the national freshman of the year. Mikey Anderson, LA Kings pick, who I am extremely high on. Sandberg was great at Hermantown High School in Minnesota, and he did really well at the World Juniors. Um, But I felt during the season, at least his offensive game took uh, some time to get settled. And I want to see if this year, with like pretty much everyone returning from UMD on the blue line, 
if he's just going to be trusted to stay in his own end or if he's going to show his capabilities of jumping into the rush like he did at Hermantown. And to stay on Sandberg, uh, is he going to be on the World Junior roster again this year? Because from what, everything I had seen and read and heard, Sandberg really stood out on the World Junior stage. And it from I haven't heard too much talk of him being on the roster again this year. And that kind of doesn't make sense. Well, it's tough. I don't see him in a top four role. Like, because on the left side, you have Quinn Hughes, who's great, and Mikey Anderson, who I touched on earlier. Maybe some young guys, Matias Samuelson, Keandre Miller, who were high picks in this past draft. If Sam, Sandberg, I think, can handle a bottom pairing role, uh, but, you know, it's going to be probably a lesser role than he had. Uh, at this time last season with a new coaching staff, like it's not Bob Motzko back, it's Minnesota State coach Mike Hastings. I'd expect him to make it. I'm not guaranteeing that he does, but I expect him to. But unless he really improves on the offensive end like this year, uh, I'm not sure how big of a role he's going to have. And going forward, where would you think he projects to be right now? Because in my guess, with how the Jets are situated right now, I could see him slotting in at that third pair. Yeah, no, fine. I'd expect that too. And, you know, it's a tough transition from directly going from high school, especially a high school that does not play the competition that uh, like some of the Twin City schools do or like Duluth East or Grand Rapids or those powers in the Northeast. But he handled the – he didn't do badly at all at UMD. It's just I'm not sure where the room is, where the space is for him to really improve right now. But I know he's going to work hard because he's a very hard worker. He did really well getting into the lineup every day in a year when he was supposed to play in the USHL. So we will see. I, I think third pairing sounds about right for his NHL upside, but, you know, he surprised me before he can do it again. Uh, just moving on in general, you touched earlier about how the Jets have had such success drafting out of the USHL, NCAA, all that. Is there a certain type of player that you see with the Jets, like like a common trend in all these players that they've picked over the last couple of years? Well, I mean, they like guys who can, at least up front, they like guys who can put the puck in the net. Look at Kyle Connor and Jack Roslevic. And, you know, they they drafted Tucker Pullman, who's a great offensive defenseman. You know, dating back to the likes of Truba and Andrew Kopp. They like guys who are ambitious, play big roles with their teams, and who are successful in those roles. So, I don't know. It's it sounds like kind of typical of what a team wants, but they seem to have zero zeroed in on a bunch of these USHL college bound players, and they've done well with it. And is there a reason the last two years, especially, they've been drafting a lot of overage players? Well, I mean, they see the upside in them. Um, I don't really know how all these guys are going to turn out in the NHL, but I am definitely not averse to drafting over if I were an NHL GM. 
it's just like signing college UFAs, except you have like more time to talk to them and get a sense of where they are. So I don't think this is a bad, these are bad moves at all. And um, as an American, but we both are. Yeah. Is it any different watching the Jets because they have such a, they're such an American team with Wheeler, Bufflin, Connor, Truba, all these American players. Does it almost kind of feel like you're just watching another American team? I'll tell you what. I was a Thrashers fan, and I hated the Jets in the first few years because I was bitter about it. And then, you know, you get all the Americans. That's an easier way to get me to like you. Blake Wheeler, of course, great gopher player in his day. Having him as your captain, well, that automatically moves you up in my eyes. It is like watching an American team. I don't think I haven't noticed. I know I've watched Connor Hellebuck since he was in the NHL. I've watched Kyle Connor in juniors. And I remember watching the like NTDP evaluation camp where he was a part of and you know, wondering how the hell he didn't make the NTDP roster. So it, it is it is fun for me to watch, and I'm glad that the Jets are doing it. And I'm not sure how much convincing you have to do to the to the Canadian fan base, but I suppose if you keep winning, uh, they're not going to care much at all if they come from U.S., Canada, Europe, wherever. I I can't say I'm upset that Connor didn't make the uh, development program. But well, yeah, <laughs> well. I got a lot of time watching Connor when he was here. Um, just moving on to back to the world juniors. Um, just, can you talk about some like jets that were in the world juniors in years past? Sure. Yeah. Watched? I'm, um, I'm going to go on to Kyle Connor and say that he was the biggest snub I can remember from the 2016 roster when he was, on pace to almost winning the Hobie Baker. And somehow that wasn't good enough for, uh, uh, for Ron Wilson. I mean, Truba won a gold medal with uh, the U S in 2013, Roslovic in 2017. Andrew Kopp was a top line player in 2014. There have been a lot of uh, jets and future jets who have made impacts with the team, but with the U S team. And uh, just to close things out, just a distance away from the Jets a little bit. I know on a podcast named Jet Centric, it's a bit odd, but um, just looking forward to this year's draft. Who should fans be watching? Well, out of the I'm, U.S. The guy you really have to look at is Jack Hughes. He's the little brother of Quinn Hughes, who's the defenseman, first round pick of the Vancouver Canucks, and Jack Hughes might be the best. Uh, American his age I have ever seen. The guy put up something like 115 points with the U.S. NTDP across all competitions. And I know he wanted to head up to the University of Michigan this coming year uh, to play with his brother, but he couldn't accelerate the academics. So I'm looking for him to, you know, put up 130, 140 points with the NTDP this year and make his way to being the number one pick. If the Jets play like they played last year, they're not going to have the number one pick, and he'll go like somewhere else. But he's going to be a, a star in the league. Yeah, just looking over at uh, Hughes's totals in uh, USHL competition, fifty-four points in twenty-seven games. He's nuts. He yeah, 
I, I wish he would be at, go to Michigan. I wish that would have worked out. He's going to be, I think, the first player I've ever seen to head from the NTDP directly to an NHL opening night roster. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any uh, yeah. time that's happened. I mean, um, there and there are other good. He, there, he has some good teammates up front. There's Alex Turcotte, who's supposed to be a top five pick, committed to Wisconsin. Uh, Matthew Boldy was on, on his left wing, going to Boston College eventually. Cole Caulfield, who's only five foot six, but a real spark plug who can score with anyone I've seen at his level, also with Wisconsin bound. There are, another, there are some other dominant forwards from that uh, 2001-born NTDP team, but Hughes is the one who, st- uh, who steers the ship for them. Uh, are there any other players uh, that are catching your eye, maybe that aren't in the uh, development program? Sure. I like uh, Arthur Kaliev um, of OHL Hamilton. He, was, he grew up um, Staten Island, New York, his name sounds like Russian and whatever, and I'm sure his parents are, but he, he's a, he's an American. He scored 31 last goals last year in the OHL as a 16 year old for Hamilton. So I'd expect him to be, you know, top 15, top 20 pick coming up this year. And he's someone who I'm excited to watch at the uh, new Holinka Gretzky cup that's coming uh, up next month. And I think the U S which hasn't won the tournament since 2003 might have as good of a shot this year as any year for them. And just to close things out, um, just some predictions for the uh, world junior roster, just uh, three, four, how about we'll do it this way. Three forwards, two defensemen and a goalie, just like your starting lineup of eligible players. Okay. Um, My goaltender is Caden Primo Canadians pick from, Northeastern University, he is the son of Keith Primo, somehow decided to go into goaltending. But he's really good. Great freshman year last year at uh, Northeastern. On defense, on the left side, I'll have Quinn Hughes, who I talked about earlier from the University of Michigan, Canucks first rounder. He's going to eat up all the big minutes, probably wear a letter on his jersey. On the right, I'll take Riley Walsh, devil's pick from the New Jersey Devils, who I think can complement Hughes' play well. The right side of the defensive group isn't as deep for the U.S. this year, but Walsh is someone I think I can trust. Um, forwards. Let's start with, on the left wing, Brady Kachuk, who is uh, obviously a familiar name to Jets fans, being the son of Keith. I think you know, he plays at Boston University. I think he will have, have the captaincy. You know, there's rumors that he might sign in the NHL, but at this point I'm sticking with him on the World Junior team. On the right side, Oliver Wallstrom, uh, from who spent last year with the NTDP, is off to Boston College next year. He was a, the 11th overall pick from the Islanders, and he scored 48 goals and 94 points last year, so obviously they'll be looking for him to fill the net. Uh, the number one center, I think, will be Ryan Paling uh, from Lakeville, Minnesota plays at St. Cloud State, is actually going to be a junior this year coming up because he entered college a year early. And I think that's my starting lineup. All right. Is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, Not at the moment because I have just uh, ended my writing career for the time being. 
I was supposed to write a piece on the World Junior Summer Showcase, but it I just got too busy and had to stop. Oh, if you ever decide to uh, write something else, I know of a website that <laughs> would absolutely take it. Uh, jetcenter.ca. Yeah. Um, for those interested. And uh, just to close things out, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. We, thanks for having uh, me. Glad to have you on here. We'll love to have you back around the time of the World Juniors. Yeah, I would be definitely excited for that. And uh, that's it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Hey, everyone. This is Daniel from Jet Centric Podcast, and I'm here today with Brian. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good, thanks. A nice, nice weekend out there. But I think it's time for some hockey talk in the middle of July. Am I right? It's always time for hockey talk, Daniel. <laughs> you can never have too much of that. <laughs> so we're just gonna go exactly. into yeah. <laughs> so we're just gonna go into your uh, your hockey background a little bit. I know you uh, contribute, uh, contribute or contributed to uh, the Jets Nation, and of course our newly minted affiliated blog jet center so how did you get into writing and stuff like that about the jets or hockey specifically um well i was always a really big hockey fan uh growing up and i would always love to sort of just go off about it with people and after a while i realized i was starting to spout the same sort of information to the same people all over uh, just over and over again and i was always the uh i was the english student in the family um that was my best class. I was always the writer. Uh, and then when I went into a program in college that allowed me to sort of create my own web page and work on some blogging, I took that as an opportunity to get into it a bit. I started a, a blog and then I created my own website in my web design course. Um, just sort of, just, just as a project. It's not, it's sort of on hi- hiatus right now. And then as I was doing that, I saw on Instagram that Jets Nation was looking for writers. And so I have and uh, still occasionally do contribute on there um, just whenever something comes up. I did a lot of the world junior coverage for them uh, this year. Uh, And then I'm always looking for something uh, new and exciting. So when I saw that uh, Jet Center was starting up, I felt like I needed to get involved in some capacity. Yeah, right. That's basically how I got involved in all this, too. They were looking for people to write. Of course, I also contribute to Jet Center myself. So I was just very interested in that and, you know, something completely I'd never done before. So it's it's fun just writing, talking about hockey, writing about different items, different things. And that's why I enjoy it anyway. So you had mentioned you did some uh, World Junior coverage there last year for uh, Jets Nation. So are you more of a prospect guy when it comes to the Jets or hockey in general or... Is that just something they assigned you to and you kind of had some fun with that? Um, Honestly, I sort of follow the basics around whether it's prospects or uh, or just the the roster itself, just anything that sort of intrigues me. And I always find, uh, especially the World Juniors, are they're also just really really exciting hockey and getting a chance to sort of put a bit – of a microscope on the Jets prospects where it was a lot of fun because I was watching it differently. I was able to put it under a different light because I had to actually sort of shine a light on these guys that maybe in years past, I would have just said, Oh, they're, they're good. 
and then sort of just go on to the next player who was just for a prospect for another team where needs to be drafted. But I, uh, I, it was neat sort of going a bit deeper into it this year with the very more assigned prospects. Right. So you got to see, you know, I, I kind of think that'll be what it's like for me this year. You know, if I'm working on something for, for jet center, like say I'm talking, going to talk about Marco Dano or something and he's playing, I'll be able to watch him specifically focus on him, you know, why I like him, maybe how he could get better or whatever, or stuff like that. So it kind of changes your view on the game, right? That way, when you're looking for specifics from a certain player or a certain group of players, right? Exactly. And especially once I started writing a bit more, I've learned how to isolate a bit more on different players and uh, match different things up with uh, both what I'm seeing on the ice, and then I'll go check the stats or something after the game to see what it's looking like. Um, but it's, it's a different view now to be able to just watch a certain player and watch what they do and how they do it and, uh, being able to almost put your own sort of evaluation on it. Right. Yeah. That's a good, that's, yeah, that's a good way of putting it there. Like how often do you watch, like before you started writing or whatever, where you'd watch a player on his back check all the time right so if you're scouting forwards or looking at a certain forward how often would you actually notice him back checking as the third man back or something right you might not notice that you'd more notice what happened on the two-on-one or on the three-on-two or whatever right whereas you might notice that this player that you're looking is really good on the back check or something like that and they'll be they'll be there all the time kind of thing where maybe another guy you could say hey he's got to work you know getting that back check covering that high man or whatever the situation is right Exactly. And as you said, you really don't notice it as much um, unless they make an incredible diving play to break up a pass or something like that. But there are certain players that you'll be able to see is, oh, wow, they're really good in their own zone. Um, they're good at creating offense, that sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's fun to look at it differently and a bit more under the microscope now. Yeah, exactly. Like you're watching as more than just a fan now. You're watching as something that you're going to be writing about or something. So that's, yeah, that's super interesting. I'll for sure enjoy this will be my first year writing about hockey so I'm sure I'll be taking a few learning steps myself there so that'll be fun yeah it's a lot of fun yeah um so we're we'll move on a little bit more more on the Jets specifically now uh as we all know uh Blake Wheeler he's entering the final year of his contract and uh the Jets are gonna have a lot of issues maybe next year they got a few guys to sign they'll have Patrick Laine will be needing uh, some sort of extension Kyle Connor, uh, as well as we all know, uh, Jacob Truba, Blake Wheeler. I'm sure I'm missing another handful of guys that I can't, uh, can't remember right now. So what do you think specifically on Wheeler? Like, would you like the Jets to go maybe longer term or maybe a shorter, like three or four year deal? That's kind of where I'm leaning more, a three or four year deal, because he is on the wrong side of 30, as they like to say. Yeah, exactly. I'm also leaning a... Uh... Uh, a shorter deal there because um, as you said he is he's now 31 um, and it's as soon as you hit that 30 mark a lot of guys do you get you do get to see some regression um, and it it's that three-year four-year term it seems like it'd be a good idea for the Jets just to sort of feel things out and then uh, see where it goes from there because it, it obviously it's pretty well documented the loyalty within the uh the organization and from what i've heard it seems like they obviously want wheeler to be the lifer um and it's obvious it's a it's a bit of a feeling process where after if you do shorter you can see 
okay, this is definitely something we, we can maybe do for one, two more years, and then he'll be able to see where his career is at. Uh, or obviously just see if he, after that, see where he's at. He's always a, he's a family man. He's got a few kids now um, and see what he's looking at for his career past that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point there. Like, you know, in three or four years, he'll be 35, 36 years old. So around that time, you're usually, you know, does he want to, you got to think, does he want to cash in now on a big deal? Or is he kind of past that where he's, you know, maybe for his personal self, he's kind of like, okay, I just want to win. You know, the Jets have a good window here to win right now, maybe another two, three years, hopefully. So if you sign him to a three, four year deal, that'll give him a few chances to win the cup, hopefully, or achieve his goals. Or does he want to take a long deal and cash in like a big, big time? Like, for example, Matt Kane, his uh, projections right now for Wheeler, I think, was like an eight by 10 or something uh, contract, which is something the Jets, I don't think, would do something obviously that crazy. But it could happen, I guess, right, if they're that loyal, that want him. But I don't think that'll happen. But it's kind of something that I kind of had in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, I hope they don't try to do what they did with Ladd and offer him a six by six. I think they offered Ladd a few years ago and they luckily for us kind of he declined that offer and moved on and we've all seen what's happened there and we ended up keeping Bufflin as a result of that so hopefully they kind of lean towards a shorter like three or four year deal something like that yeah when I saw the uh, the Matt Kane uh, projection there uh, it had me it, it got me a bit worried just looking at it obviously it's it's something to it's you don't really want to see for a guy who, when he's up for contract, he'll be 32 and you don't really want to sign a guy for eight by 10 when he's uh, going to be into his mid thirties by that point, and then into the late thirties. And I, as that made me really sort of sit down and think, okay, so eight is definitely not a number that I would really ever do for someone who's going to be 32 and also having a shorter ter- term gives you a bit more leeway with what you can do after the fact. Like, obviously, if you're getting later on, if you sign him to a long-term deal, obviously with him getting older, there could be injury issues, stuff like that. And then you'd be locked into a huge contract. Uh, if he starts going into injury issues in his mid-30s here, if you're doing a three, four-year contract, you don't have to worry about that as much. Yeah, you could just kind of walk away or trade him or do whatever you have to do or if his contract, say it's a three-year expires, you know, and he's been injured, you could either get him maybe cheaper. Like if he's slowing down a little bit, you get him cheaper kind of thing, or you just move on completely, trade him whatever you got to do, right? So that's, that's exactly. kind of something, yeah, that's kind of something that could happen. So we'll have to gauge that. That'll be a talking point of uh, this upcoming season, I'm sure. And same thing with a guy like Patrick Laine, of course. What is he going to get? Is he going to command eight, nine million? Probably. Does he deserve it? Absolutely. Will the Jets dish it out or will they give him a, like something like a bridge or something, which probably wouldn't bode well for them, but it would definitely bode well for him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and a bridge deal for a guy who in his first two seasons put up 36 and 43 goals or 44, sorry. Um, that's uh, probably not the greatest decision. <laughs> and I don't think they do it. Um, but just quickly, one thing that stood out to me about Wheeler, just quickly circling back there, um, so he had 91 points this season, uh, obviously a career high for him, but I was looking a bit further into it. Um, cause a lot of people, you'll just see, Oh, 91 points. That's great. He did only have 49, even point, uh, even strength points this year, which did lead the team. Yes. Uh, but that's 40 points on the power play. 
which was good for second in the league, but that is a lot of uh, points that five before. That's a lot of easy points, as they would say, or a little bit easier points. All you had to do was feed line A all day. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's also a thing. And uh, one, one thing, actually, I saw floating around on Twitter the other day was they, someone had a highlight from one of the, early, I believe it was the early games of this past season where he flew up the left wing, like as we've all grown to love, and he potted one top shelf on, I think it was Montreal or something. But we didn't see that too much later on in the season. So it's either he was playing injured or he's just getting a little bit older and slowing down a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on heading into this season and, of course, beyond. Yeah, definitely something to look at there. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see, see where that goes. And uh, we'll kind of circle on to Jacob Truba now. Of course, it's been well talked about the last months, months, year, whatever, about does he want to play in Winnipeg? What are, where, what are we going to do with him, right? So he gets this $5.5 million arbitration deal, which means he can't sign a long-term extension now until January. Of course, most Jets fans would like to see him sign long-term. Obviously, we, like, if we get him for eight years, that's great. But this arbitration ruling really shows that there might be some sort of divide there, whether it's with the Jets and his agent, Kurt Overhart, or whether it's like Truba doesn't really want to be here. But filing for arbitration obviously does indicate that he does want to play in Winnipeg. So we'll kind of just nix that right now. So just wondering, the Jets will very likely be moving on from a maybe next summer, maybe even this season, depending on how the season's going. And the long-term outlook is not too great on our defensive prospects. So we really need to get them long-term. Do you think there's any way, any chance that's going to happen? Or should we start saying our goodbyes and moving on? I don't think we should reach into our bag of goodbyes quite yet and start sending our farewells just because a lot can change within from now until January where there could be uh, an offer once January rolls around that both uh, Truba and his agent and the Jets could come to. Um, I do expect you're going to start hearing everyone go on about the trade talk and everything. I'm still not certain about the whole Truba doesn't want to play here thing as you said arbitration filing for it it's uh he, he has voiced that he lo- he does want to be here and that wasn't the issue and it was just the usage and everything but now even with him getting the usage and actually um with once again getting just that one-year deal after we were all hoping for the uh the long term it does leave room for some sort of questioning as to why there wasn't something agreed on personally i was looking hopefully that we'd sign him to a six or seven around for maybe six and a half million that'd be that'd be fine um he's one of those guys that you kind of want to wager on his future and him being a terrific number one defenseman uh that if you even if you pay him a little bit more than you were initially hoping for uh it would pay off for you because he would be playing extremely well for the prime years which are just him coming up here because he's still so young um but it's something that i'm i am worried about i really don't want to lose a guy like truba but it's looking more and more blurry when it comes to the future involving uh involving truba here yeah and that's where i was thinking i was kind of hoping at the time they were kind of thinking okay we'll get him on the one-year arb at five and a half mil which is what they they signed and then in January, they'll sign him to an eight-year deal for whatever, six and three-quarter mil. 
and then we'll actually get nine years out of him or something like that. That's basically the, uh, I guess, optimism in me. And uh, of course, I've always liked Jacob Truba playing for the Jets and he's definitely a top pairing defenseman, him and Morrissey, another guy, a restricted free agent that Chevy's probably working on right now from his cabin or in the city, you never know. So hopefully they can sort it out with Jacob and we get him for six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever, get him in the top of his career. And that's the way we'd all like to see it, I'm sure. So, Yeah, exactly. And losing a guy who at the young age of 24 years old to step in at a number one defensive role and play as well as he did with Morrissey and having Morrissey being as young as he is as well, uh, losing him would be terrible to try and balance on defense even though there, there are some guys that you can look at and say okay you can fill some holes here but Truba is one of those guys that he would leave a mark if he left and it's something like I wouldn't want to deal with yeah exactly we'll try to avoid that hopefully and that leaves a pretty big hole on that right defense obviously your number one right uh, handed defenseman there so you don't want that so we'll just uh, end off here. Uh, what are your expectations going into this season for the Jets as a whole? Obviously, we had that great playoff run this year uh, before losing to Vegas in the third round. Um, so obviously, everyone's talking maybe Stanley Cup Finals, Stanley Cup champion. And obviously, that's something that maybe is creeping in the expectations now because, as they say, the window is kind of opening. And with the, the cap and all that, the windows aren't that big anymore. You know, you got two, three-year window before you got to start paying everybody big box and as we've discussed there is some big box to be handed out already with the Jets so uh, where do you see them next year um personally just based on sort of what's been going on in the offseason what I'm seeing from some of the guys who are obviously locks on the team and who could be pushing their way in some of our younger guys like just just a name out there Vesa Linen, who at some point next season I'm expecting to see whether it's to start the year up or if he's in the AHL or uh, like he could be with the Moose to start or whether or not he pushes his way in there with an injury. I exp- But like seeing those guys coming up and having a core that did have 17 games this season, uh, playoff action, um, they know a bit more what to expect. After a while, it kind of becomes a moot point because after you play a couple of rounds, it's just the same sort of hockey. Um, but I, I, I would expect another another playoff push this year. Um, and I could definitely see us going uh, where we were last year. Once again, it's going to be fighting with Nashville. Who's uh, they're about the same. Nothing has really changed there. Um, I know they added a, a couple guys and uh, even like just recently, they just signed Dan Hamhuse, who really, he's still a, a decent player, especially when he'll be playing lower down some more sheltered minutes. Um, it'll be a great signing for them. And uh so obviously we still have to watch out for them, but I, I think it's about par for the course. I think we're about at the same spot that we were last year is as long as we can really optimize the lines, really spread out the offense, try and create a bit of a, a matchup nightmare uh, for other teams. And also, I think it's also just trying to balance out that center ice. Like I know that Stastny was only there for about 20 games uh, where, so it wasn't as if he was there all season and then we lost him. Um, but I'd like to see, some more growth uh, and putting uh, Ross Levick at center and giving him the reps that he really needs. Cause he was getting those with the moose and then he came up and all he was playing was the wing. So it's something that I want to see. I want to see him grow as a player and see some more ice time from him and, because he's going to be one of those players that you'll see with us uh, for the distant future here um, making these runs if we can. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So they got a lot of a lot of forward depth, especially the Jets have a lot of forward depth in the AHL and coming up through their draft. See, the defense is a little more questionable always in the depth. And of course, uh, Hellebuck, he won't have probably as great a year he had last year. That was a phenomenal year. But even if he has, you know, just a good year, that's all that's all you need is just a good year of goaltending. And with their kind of offense, the Jets shouldn't have a problem making it deep into the playoffs once again. Exactly. The one thing that I am just sort of going to touch on here is it's that backup goaltending position. Um, I'm not sold on Laurent Brassois quite yet. I haven't seen enough, but then again, he did play for Edmonton and their defense was notably not great. Um, And it was also very well documented that Talbot was very overworked. So if we can get a turnaround year for Brassois and um get him in a groove maybe a change of scenery is something he needs and so that we don't have to overwork Hellebuck give him a couple uh, games off every once in a while so he's not playing uh, 60 games 65 games 70 games to a point where he's going to be exhausted when we even just reach the playoffs um it'd be nice to see a bit more stability there um so obviously I, I don't know what to expect uh Based on the past, I'm not too comfortable with it. But once again, I haven't seen him play enough to really know where he's at. Yeah, exactly. So, they, yeah, they want to kind of hopefully rest Hellebuck a bit more, keep him closer to 60 starts than 70 starts, which was ideal because you need another 20, 25 games in the playoffs to win it all, right? So he's going to be playing 80, 85 games if he only plays 60 during the season. But once you start hitting 90, if you're playing problem is... Um, all right, Brian. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast today. Uh, looking forward to your stuff with Jet Center and uh, everything else. And we'll definitely have you on again at some point. Yeah, it was great. Um, I look forward to being on and you'll eventually be seeing some stuff from me uh, on uh, Jet Center. I'm uh, doing some stuff on the back end right now, but I'm going to be planning some articles. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, this, is, this is fun. Yeah, perfect. Great. Thanks a lot, Brian. No problem. Hello there, Jets fans. This is AJ, and I'm here with yet another American Jets fan, Cassie of Jets Nation. Cassie, how's it going? It's going great. That's great. So you are in the wonderful, uh, what is it, the state of hockey, Minnesota? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, northern Minnesota. Like, I'm an hour and a half from the Canada border, so. <laughs> I was saying that. Uh, I'm curious, are you been up for a Jets game? Yes, I have. I've been up for a couple Jets games, and I was upset that I couldn't make it up for the whiteout this year because of a medical emergency I had. But other than that, it was kind of fun for the games I've been to. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that you've been up. Maybe uh, next time you're up, you'll have to make it known, and uh, we'll get some people together and uh, show you a good time. I'm sure you know a couple people up here already, too. I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, Cassie, you are a Jets Nation person in the sense that you are involved with Jets Nation. I'm not sure of your full role with Jets Nation. Um, are, are you a contributor? Do you write articles? Or are you just involved with the social media side of things? Um, what's your role over at Jets Nation? So my technical role is the game day social media person, but I also do some articles here and there very scarcely, to be honest. Um, But what you see, when you see somebody tweeting during a game on the Jets Nation account, 
90% of the time, it's going to be me. Those videos, the gifts, the highlight videos we started doing during the playoffs, those are all my work. Right. And so uh, during the last playoffs, you said you weren't able to make it up because of some other stuff. Were you pretty involved still in being able to pay quite a bit of attention to the, the playoff run and be involved uh, at least online with what was going on? I missed one game, and that was game three against the Wild, and that was because I was actually at the game. Oh, really? Oh, nice. That's great. You're able to go down for that. Now, I question for you. Why, why is a person from Minnesota a fan of the Winnipeg Jets? What's your story? You're not from here, are you? No, I'm not. So I briefly dated a guy from Winnipeg. Um, he is a Jets fan, and he joked around that I should make the Jets my second team because I was like, okay, the Sabres suck, so I'm gonna make, I'm gonna find a second team. And he joked, and I started watching some of the games, saw a game live, and I was like, all right, I'm hooked. Right. So the relationship didn't last, but the fandom did. Now, when, when was this that you uh, that this happened? Because to be involved with, uh, you know, one of the probably the largest kind of what I call secondary secondary mainstream media, um, Jets Nation. Like, how do you how does it go from just being like your second favorite team, from the guy that you dated, to all of a sudden you're you're in there like a dirty shirt? Um, it. I just jumped in head first about oh, almost two years ago at this point, and it read up what I could, read about the history. I already knew because I live in Minnesota and obviously division rivals with the wild. So I had an idea and it, I just, it stuck. And I kind of got discovered with uh, my gifting on Twitter. Right. So that's kind of how I got yanked in for Jets Nation. Huh. Now, you said the Jets were your second favorite team. So living in Minnesota, obviously your first favorite team is the Minnesota Wild, correct? Right? No, no. I don't okay. even like the Wild. Um, so I'm originally from Western New York, and okay. then I moved on to Florida and then moved up to Minnesota. I was born and bred into Sabres sadness. Right. <laughs> I clearly remember 99, which dates me but also I, I I've been through a lot as a hockey fan well I will say I remember being maybe 13 14 years old I'm 38 now uh, and I remember there was a playoff run going on and we were traveling through Buffalo and that's when I discovered not even being really a hockey fan family that announcer, I don't remember his name, but the guy who was really famous, he is like the best. Whoever he was, I remember the, the goal calls and the screaming and everything. And I thought, whatever's going on here, I will remember this forever. Well, who is that guy? Who's that Buffalo guy? Uh, Rick Jenneret. Yeah, he's he is, amazing. He is, he is still our play-by-play -play for home games and a few away games. He's being transitioned out for Dan Dunleavy. So it's he's amazing and I, I'm biased when I say he's my favorite, but he's one of the best. He is. like he, He's really good. For those who haven't heard him before, see if you can find some of his, his game calls or goal calls at least because uh, yeah, pretty, pretty into obviously a homer. <laughs> he's definitely – you know what team he's going for when, when he's calling a game. So um, Now, with that Buffalo uh, Sabres fandom as well, uh, you – we had talked about this before – kind of coming on but and you started with some friends actually your own podcast doing some stuff with the the sabers now 
Yes. So we're called the Broken Bandwagon, and it's a bunch of us ladies uh, discussing the Sabres and their sadness. Um, we we recorded our first episode a couple weeks ago and dropped it on uh, 716, because that is the area code for Buffalo. So we thought that would be fitting. And then we are recording our next episode uh, this coming weekend, and it should drop on Saturday or Sunday. So... Yeah. So is it pretty much weekly throughout the whole year or? Um, We're looking at bi-weekly, but we might bump it up to weekly depending on schedules and if anything major happens. Sometimes in the middle of the season, things can still get boring, just like the off season. So. So if people want to hear you and some, some friends talk about the Buffalo Sabres, the broken bandwagon, right. And it's available on like a whole bunch of platforms, right. It was, I yes. a bunch of stuff iTunes, SoundCloud, um, and Google. And we also do transcripts of our podcasts so that if you're hard of hearing, you can kind of read along. And we have things, the links to things we reference uh, in that transcript. Wow. So that's, it's, that's Well, and we're back. Technical difficulties um, are just a constant thing around here. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know if you cut me off or I cut you off or just the Wi-Fi. You know, the border, there's a wall at the border between Canada and the States that's making sure the Wi-Fi doesn't go through. Yeah, it might be that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Anyhow, so you were sharing about the podcast. So you're doing the, the, the transcripts for the hard of hearing. That's uh, that's really cool. Was that like, how did you guys come up with that idea? I've never heard of anybody doing that before for a podcast. Um, one of the girls, she just suggested it and we're like, yeah, that's a great idea. So it's been done. We just got the transcript up because transcribing takes time and right. everybody has lives, but yeah, yeah. it's fun. That's good. Well, good for you. I, I enjoyed listening to it. Um, but uh, everybody should know that you you started off with listing your favorite players. And I said this to you. None of the four people on the podcast said that their favorite old favorite player was Alexander McGillney. And I don't know how that's not possible. Or uh, like Pat LaFontaine, didn't he? He played there for years and years, right? I mean, uh, right. It, so it's a, it's a younger crowd. <laughs> Yes, it, it does skew young. Um, I am the oldest, and I, I said Hashik just because, I mean, the greatest goaltender of all time. I grew up watching him. Right, right. All right, so let's let's move back to the Jets. So you talked about your, your Jets Nation involvement. Uh, you said you're not writing too many articles there. Uh, when you did write articles, what kind of um, just your the way that you fan, what's sort of like an angle that you look at? Are you really into prospects or the draft? Are you looking at analytics or – um, just sort of in the moment, like the game, game by game sort of um, summaries, like you're sort of involved with the game, game um, uh, time stuff with uh, online um, with the social media. So I'm just curious, is that kind of how you write as well? Or when you did write, what's, what's your take? Um, usually I would do a lot of the game stuff. Um, if I did write anything, the other stuff I did, I, and I looked at the chemistry be- between players and how it can be affected when you switch lines up, um, especially mid-game. Another thing I did was the impact of being a woman in the sports fandom. And that one, I think, was my most popular article because people were expecting, weren't expecting 
somebody to be so candid and come out and say, look, it kind of sucks. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out because that I, I was so excited that you were willing to come on because uh, I love the idea of having more female representation in like the conversation because it is sports is generally male dominated, right? Like just even in the fandom and women are often sort of belittled for their fandom sometimes like it's not real enough, right? Right. I, I told the story in that article I wrote, but I once wore a jersey to call when I was in college, I wore a jersey to class and I had somebody stop me and quiz me on the player's college stats. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Like w- what are people doing with their lives when that's their concern? Okay. Well, so people can find that on Jets Nation website. They could find some of your writings that are still up there. Yes, they're all, they all should be up there. Okay, right on. Let's move on to some of the, the most recent news. We're recording after the Jacob Trouba signing, but before the, uh, and after Marco Dano and Pullman. I don't even know what the day or the date is right now. What day are we on? Wednesday, Thursday, something like that? Something like that. Okay, so Morrissey has not signed right now. Uh, do you have any kind of hot takes or thoughts about uh, the Jacob Truba being probably one of the most significant ones. What, what's your take on uh, what transpired there and maybe what that means going forward now for the team and for him? Uh, firstly, I'm disappointed that TJ Truba didn't get to break the news. Um, <laughs> that was my one hope out of this. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with how it went down. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that he went through arbitration. Um, I think if we're looking at this scenario again next summer, that's when to start worrying. But P.K. Subban went through arbitration, got a co- bridge contract, turned around, tore it up, won the Norris, and then got paid. Right. I mean, he did also get traded, but that's Montreal, and they do pants on head silly things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so uh, you, you're not uh... – you're not pushing the panic button just yet on the, the Truba future in Winnipeg? I'm not. He did say he wanted to stay. I think his agent has a lot to do with this. Um, it's. I think the Jets, when push comes to shove, they're going to do what they can to keep him because there's no other options. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, you, you mentioned uh, TJ Truba, just to kind of touch on that. Um, did you see his deleted tweet where he was commenting on the Jets not um, sounding a little bit more excited on social media? I did. He did delete it after? Yeah, I did see that. Um, I think. Now we got shut down again by border control there. All right. <laughs> so we were talking about the Truba thing and the TJ Truba. So how about you just take, uh, pick up where you left off there? Well, they did. They they posted a picture on Instagram, not on Twitter. So, I just think everybody was overreacting a little bit too much. Uh, I mean, I also come from a line of work where everybody's overreacting. So I'm just like, can everybody take a chill pill for like ten seconds here? Right, right. So, um, so uh, back to the Truba thing. So you're you're not concerned. You think uh, next year is probably when uh, it becomes a little bit more real the situation and what it's going to look like going forward. Um, what do you think now? Does this play into what happens with Morrissey? Like if the team feels like maybe the Truba isn't the future, that they're going to dump a bit more time and, and money into Morrissey and his contract? Like, does that change anything or, or what's your thoughts there? I don't think it's going to change anything. I think um, 
when push comes to shove, the Jets are going to do what they can to keep Truba. I think Morrissey's going to get a bridge deal. I just, I kind of have that feeling that that's what's going to happen. Um, other than that, I, I, if next trade deadline, Truba is being shopped, that's when I'm going to be concerned. Or if those rumors are back, right now I'm not. We have him for another year. There's no reason to be of concern. Yeah, and I guess if we win the Stanley Cup and then he leaves, it's not a big deal. I mean, not every team gets to win the Cup, right? So they got a year to do it. They got him under under contract right now. So uh, let's let's uh, see if we could do something. Um, some of the other contracts that are still uh, that have happened or out the Hellebuck, Dano, uh, Pullman. Um, is there any of those that you want to key in on that you really liked or that you're kind of surprised by? Um, I will just kind of mention the Pullman one. I was surprised that the money was so low. I mean, it was very, very team-friendly for a player that I think is uh, uh, has tons of upside. Um, but what are some of your other takes that, or even like uh, the Patan thing, does you think Patan's getting a one-way or a two-way? Um, I would have, I, I'm going to hope that Patan gets a one-way. He deserves the shot. Um, if he gets it, that's another question. I think he's just being... He's not being utilized the way he should be. Um, and, and I know I'm not alone in this thought process by any stretch. Right. Um, the Pullman contract, I'm, I, I was also shocked at how low it was. Like, it could have been much worse. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think a lot of it is Chevy can sit there and go, hey, look, we're going to have to pay you know, line A. If you want to stay playing with him, you have to understand that we're going to have to make some adjustments here on, on your money. Right. So. Yeah. I guess that all kind of all plays into it right there. There's not just one piece uh, isolated where they're making a contract only thinking about you and what, what you're going to sign for. Right. But just all the, the pieces have to fit together and work for, for everyone. Right. So this uh, upcoming season, are you, what are your, what's your feeling about the, the Jets? Are they going to be better or worse? Like, I mean, they finished second in the West that's, or second in the league. That's, you can't get much better than that. But do you think um, maybe they'll uh, tighten up on some of those overtime losses or um, have even more potential to kind of go further? I mean, we didn't get the Stasny thing sorted out, but uh, he also wasn't with us for most of the season. So i uh, just curious what your take is on that stuff. Yeah, losing Stastny, I, I don't care because we were already in a good position before we got him. Uh, we didn't any anybody that we lost wasn't like a major blow to the team. I think we'll be at the same level if, and I hate saying it like this, but if Wheeler regresses even a tiny bit, we'll still be okay. I don't want to see him regress. Um, I just. I think we'll be fine. I don't. I don't think it's anything to get up in arms about, right now. Um, the team has largely remained the same. Right. Yeah, with uh, some of the younger players probably being ready for even a jump, like Rosovic would be probably one of the best examples of somebody who's ready to make an impact that would even fill in maybe some of the regressions of others. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's a good point. Like, the younger guys are going to have just a little bit more experience to contribute, and players at you know at that age they do get better with time. So, having that extra year of of pro experience is just going to make everybody else better. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I'm I'm actually looking very forward to this season. We can't wait for training camp. Are you uh, planning on being up here at all this next season? Are you going to come up for some games or training camp or anything like that? I just looked at the promotional schedule because it dropped today, and I'm hoping to be up for a couple of games at least. Um, I know I'm going to aim for the bobblehead night. Um, right. That's that's a goal. Uh some of the other ones, other games look good. I'm going to try and make it for a Sabres-Jets game, and I'm just going to sit there and hope everybody has a good time and just not cheer. Um, right. But I, I try and make it up. This last year was a little rough just because of everything that's going on, and this coming year might be a little bit rougher just because I'm getting married. So it's I'm going to try and make it for sure, though. Right. Well, congratulations on that uh, exciting happening in your life. That's cool. Thank you. Well, if you're up, make sure you make yourself known and uh, come meet some uh, some new fans that you haven't met yet. Thanks so much for doing this. I think we'll kind of stop there only because I'm also worried that we're going to get cut off again. So uh, thanks for doing this. We should uh, definitely do it again sometime, especially once the season starts and there's even more stuff to chat about. So, All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, thanks for, for your time, Cassie. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.